0: I just, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I need this series. I'm just a radical chicken. That's, that's it. <laughs> if this is your first Sunday here at Windsor Road, my name is Randy, and we are getting ready for a uh, God-centered, Christ-saturated uh, ministry initiative uh, called Weekend of Service. And to do that, we're doing this series starting Sunday called Radical. It's based on a book uh, by David Platt, by that title, Radical. And our weekend of service, this will be the second weekend of service that we have done as a congregation. Uh, On September the 24th and 25th, so just out uh, a month from now, on Saturday, September 24th, and Sunday, September 25th, A thousand of us from Windsor Road will be going out into our community, out into our county, to 13 sites. And we are, by God's strength, going to be landscaping and mulching and cleaning and straightening and organizing and doing leadership uh, seminars. Uh, We will be uh, hosting an outreach celebration party uh, cross-culturally in our community and uh, all of this is for the glory of Christ. All of this is to impact Champaign County for Christ through service by the strength that God supplies. And so if you come here on Sunday morning at nine o'clock or at 1045 and you come into this room uh, On September 25th, uh, this room will be empty because the church has left the building and we will have gone out into the community for two days of serving and ministry in the name of Christ, by the strength of Christ, to meet needs with love. And we will be gathering, that said, uh, on Sunday evening, September 25th, For just a blowout worship service in gratitude to God for all that he has accomplished through his people. And all of these projects, all of these projects uh, uh, will be paid for by God through his people. So where we will be serving and ministering, uh, those sites will not be paying for the projects that will be done. It will be God's gift to them through his people, and a little later on in our service, Carl Weigel, the chairman of our elders, will be coming and explaining why uh, uh, God has made that possible uh, through his people here. So, so we want to get ready for September the 24th and the 25th, and I want us to talk about why we're doing this this morning. I want to talk about why we're doing weekend of service. You see, it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And if we do the right thing for the wrong reason, then we end up doing the wrong thing. I mean, Friday night, our elder team, our elder leadership team, Oh, uh, uh, we're privileged to be at Celebrate Recovery and to see, though, just a wonderful ministry that's happening. And our elder leadership team, uh, we were uh, privileged to serve dinner to the Celebrate Recovery community and to see what's happening. It's like, okay, well, why did we do that? Well, you know, we did that because we want this church family to be a place where uh, people who are hurt can come, and also people who hurt to other people can come, and that there can be peacemaking, and reconciliation, and healing in the name of Christ, and And we want this to be a place for people who come with their hurts, and their habits, and their hang-ups, and we want Jesus to be seen in the middle of a place where you wouldn't expect Him to be seen, and so uh uh, it was such a wonderful, wonderful evening for us to support that. The elders want to support that. And that's why we came. And that's why I would encourage you uh, to talk up what's happening this coming Friday. There's outreach that's going to be happening this Friday here at church as our Celebrate Recovery season is, is uh, uh, just launching. And there'll be a community outreach. And so we hope that you can come for dinner at 545 and worship and testimonies and stories at 7 but but it's so we do the right thing for the right reason. If you do the if you do the right thing for the wrong reason, you'll end up doing the wrong thing. Well, why are we doing weekend of service? Well, that's what I want to talk about, our rationale. And to do that, I want us to look at a parable in the New Testament, book of Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12 verses 35 to 40. And you'll find Luke chapter 12 in your church Bibles the navy blue bibles in the chairs in front of you it's on page 737 now this morning i'm going to read from the english standard version because there's a couple of words that really uh, are crisper in the english standard version than what's in uh, the niv which is where i usually preach from but follow along beginning in verse 35, Jesus says, stay dressed, and, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming And an hour you do not expect. So as we think about why we're doing what we're doing in terms of weekend of service, and we're looking at this passage of Scripture, I want us to first hear a radical claim that Christ makes in these verses. Did you hear it? We'll take a look at what that is. And then I want us to consider a radical act that is accomplished in these verses. Did you see it? A radical claim, a radical act, and then for us, there is a radical response. Act and claim and response. Well, first, the radical act. Did you listen? Did you hear what that was? It's in verse 40. Verse 40, Jesus says, You must you also must be ready for, and here it is, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's the radical claim. The radical claim Jesus makes in this verse is that I am the Son of Man. Okay, well, what does that mean sitting here in the 21st century? Jesus is saying, church family, he's saying to these people, I am Yahweh in the flesh. I am Israel's God, incarnate. That's who I am. It's a self-identification. And you've got to think about this here. Because Jesus was speaking to a Hebrew audience, and they were fierce monotheists. I mean, I mean, they grew up on the Shema, "Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." And now here is one who says, "I am that one in the flesh among you." Now, that's amazing. That's an amazing claim. That is a radical claim. Huh. I'm, I'm the I'm the middle of three boys: Robbie, Randy, Ricky. And my whole family lives in Tulsa. My brothers live in Tulsa. Parents, nephew, I'm the only one who's left to go to Illinois, but, but the problem wasn't with me. <laughs> <laughs> now my brothers appreciate, you know, that I'm a minister and all, but if I were to say to them, "I am God in the flesh," they would go, what have you been smoking, Randy? What is your problem? What is this? What? 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 They know me. They know me. I mean, think about the people here who heard these words. I mean, they lived with Jesus. They lived with him. They saw him, his interactions, his personality, his speech, his habits, everything they saw. And the Apostle John would say, you know, No one has seen God, but God the one and only has made him known. We've seen the glory of God. It's Jesus, Yahweh in the flesh. In no uncertain terms here, as the Gospels unfold... Jesus is identifying himself as the Son of Man described in the Old Testament book of Daniel chapter 7. The prophet Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man. There it is. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is the one that will never be destroyed Jesus is saying I am that son of man that's who I am and I am the king over a kingdom that will never ever be destroyed history Christ says is not cyclical we don't believe in reincarnation we're Christian it's moving in a direction toward a destiny and one day Jesus says he will exercise his sovereignty to the degree that his dominion and his kingdom and his realm will overwhelm every puny kingdom and government and nation, including ours. His is the kingdom. That is the kingdom that will stand forever. And the destination is either a destination of immortal horrors Or everlasting splendors, you see. That's how C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis said, It's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. Lewis says, all day long, in some degree, we are helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations these are mortal and their life to ours is as the life of a gnat but it is immortals with whom we joke with whom we work with whom we marry snub and exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors that's where we're going church family Our gospel hope is Jesus that one day the death and the hurt and the suffering that has come upon us and I know it's come upon you because we have read your prayer requests and we know, we know that some of you have tasted death in your family this summer and we know that some of you well it was a near miss and we wonder you know we're we're like uh we're like sam gangi in the lord of the rings you know is everything sad going to come untrue when's that going to happen and our gospel hope in jesus is that yes one day All that is sad will become untrue, and in fact, it will happen in such a way in the new heavens and the new earth that they will be better for having had all of the suffering. That's our gospel hope. That's why we gather. And at the center of it is the Son of Man. And Jesus said, I am that Son of Man who is promising a kingdom that will never end. And I love this in Psalm 96, 12 and 13. In the new heavens and the new earth, all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. Listen, if trees sing in the new heavens and the new earth, what are you going to be like? That's the claim that Jesus makes. It's a promise. So then how are we to live until then? How, how how are we to live in the, Well, that's the radical claim. This leads us to the radical act. You see, Jesus tells us about a parable, a parable of a wedding feast. Now, I know something about wedding feasts. This, was, this, is, a, this is a handsome couple. This is a beautiful couple. It's my older son, Benjamin. I had the privilege of officiating at he and Ablazes' uh, wedding ceremony here, right here on stage. And I was doing okay until I said the name Ben, and then, (laughs) anyway, but they're married, and we're happy, and Jesus tells this parable of this wedding feast, and verse 35 begins, Jesus says, uh, and verse 35 literally says, let your loins stay girded. And keep your lamps burning. Let, let, let your loins stay girded. What's that? What? Well, back then they didn't have pants. Or jeans. Or slacks. They had robes. And wearing these long robes that went down uh, to your ankles. To do heavy, busy things activity or work would make it cumbersome wearing these robes. And so, a servant who was ready for action would gird that robe into the belt, tuck the robe into the belt. And by hiking that robe and tucking it into the belt, that signified that that servant was ready for action, And so there's there's that word picture there that Jesus says. I want you to be ready. I want you to stay ready for action. But Jesus is doing more than just uh, trying to identify with their wardrobe habits. Jesus is reaching back into Hebrew history. Because uh, Luke chapter 12 verse 35 connects with Exodus chapter 12. And the night of the Passover where the death angel passed over the... Homes of all in Egypt and those whose homes were protected by the blood of a lamb were passed over and the firstborn of those who were not were put to death. And Egypt's 400-year slavery hold on God's people was broken and God said, I'm going to act decisively and cataclysmically in this Passover event and I want my people ready. So Exodus 12 says, I want you to tuck those robes in your belt. I want you to eat the Passover meal in haste because when it's time to go, I want you ready to go. I want you at the door, ready to escape Egypt. You see, the audience is listening to that and identifying with that, and so Jesus is saying, you know, as I acted in the old covenant with Israel in their release from Egypt, I am acting again decisively and cataclysmically for a second exodus on my return in the new heavens and the new earth, the everlasting splendor, and I want you ready. I want you ready. I want you to get ready that's the girded loins and I want you to stay ready that's the lamps burning I want you to stay ready you get ready and you continually be ready always be the kind of person who never needs to told to get who never needs to be told to get ready because you already are ready you're at the door ready to go but that's not the radical act (laughs) all of that in verse 35 that's not the radical act The radical act we see a little bit later on. Verse 36 talks about the master returning from the wedding feast. There's been this wedding feast that's going on, and the master is returning, and he's coming home, and he's knocking on the door of his home, and he wants his servants ready to open the door. Just the minute he begins to tap on the door, he wants them open and ready for him, and he gets home, and he knocks on the door, and I can't help but ask this question, why would the master have to knock on the door of his own house? Who does that? You do that? You knock on the door of your own house before you enter your own house? Answer me. No, and neither do I. Okay, good. All right. Just want to make sure your loins are girded. Okay, here we go. No! Well, why would he, why would he do that? Ah. Well, this is where we learn something a little bit about the kind of house. This is, this is good. This is good stuff right here. Um, Kenneth Bailey is a scholar, and this is, well, this is what he says about the kind of home that Jesus was talking about in the parable. He writes, Jesus' parable takes place in a large, large home, and in such homes of the first century, there were often public places where the banquets and feasts were held, and then there were private places. And masters in such mansions could be with the guests in the public area and then slip away to the private quarters. And in the parable, he's knocking on the door because he doesn't want his voice heard throughout the residence announcing his absence from the wedding feast interesting isn't it it's a large huge house there's a public area where the feast is taking place and then the master can withdraw and slip away from this feast and get back to his private quarters and he's not going to say I'm home because he doesn't want to distract from what's going on from the feast he's tapping on the door and he wants them ready that's why he knocks on the door but the question remains why did he leave in the first place why is it even the, ah. And this is where we get to the, this is where we get to the prime rib of this passage. Verse 37. The master arrives, taps on the door, they open it once. And, the, and Jesus says, blessed are the servants. Blessed are the servants. And that's why I read the English Standard Version. The NIV says it will be good for those servants. But literally, it's in the present tense. Blessed are these servants. They're they're already blessed. See, church family, the point of this parable is not stay awake all night and you'll get yours. That's not the the point. It's really not. The the point is that those 24-7 ready servants are already blessed. They already live in the complete blessing and approval of their master, and their readiness shows who they are, not an attempt to get something they don't yet have, they have stayed ready and they've stayed awake in this blessed state because they cannot wait. They just cannot wait for the privilege of serving their master. They can't wait till he comes home because they just don't want to serve him. They love him so much. But even then, church family, that's still not the radical act. Well, what is? Here it is. The master arrives, and to the astonishment of the servants, the master serves them. Don't you see? The master is the one who girds his loins. He's the one who dresses in an amazing... And see, they're resisting. And the Bible says, literally, he will cause them to recline. Meaning they're resisting. No, no, we're the servants. We're supposed to serve you. And the master says, no, I'm serving you. That's an order. And in an amazing act of grace, these servants cease to be servants and instead... They have been liberated in an exodus to the state of sonship. They have become heirs of the king, partners in love, partners in glory. It's what the master does, that's the radical act. Where'd they get all that food anyway? Hmm? Servants didn't expect to eat. Where'd they get all the food? They're going to rustle up an omelet three in the morning? The parable implies that the master brought the food with him. He brought the food with him to feed him. you, you, You see what's going on here? In the middle of a wedding feast, the master remembers his servants and he fills a tray with the best food and he slips out quickly and quietly and he goes to his private quarters so that his servant staff can share with him in the wedding banquet and he proceeds to serve them himself. The master doesn't send another waiter, doesn't send an angel, the big man in person comes and the parable reaches its pinnacle as the master, that's Jesus, serves his servants, that's us, with food from the feast, liberating them from the state of slavery and bringing them and ushering them into the state of sonship. And this is what Kenneth Bailey writes. Listen to this. What will this self-emptying love due to their sense of self-worth what effect does this destiny have on those believers who read this for the very first time what does it have on us today let me ask this question if according to these verses this is what jesus christ thinks of you How can you ever fear someone else's opinion of you? Hmm. And I'll ask another question. Can anybody here think of another religious system on the face of this earth where something like this would occur? Where where the creator would act thusly to the creation? Does anybody find this in Buddhism? Does anybody find this in Hinduism? We certainly don't see this in Islam. Can you you fathom Allah doing this to to, in in Islam? This is blasphemy. But Christianity says, no. This is self-emptying love. Self-emptying love. The radical claim. Jesus says, I'm the Son of Man. The radical act the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many lord what i mean what can i do i mean what you know how, how can i we sang earlier how can i repay what is it? and here we get to the radical response see see, it's, it's the big idea of this passage don't for, don't, if you forget anything don't forget this and here it is a radical God who makes a radical claim and performs a radical act he wants me radically ready to serve that's what he why because that's just what he did and that's why we serve in imitation of our Lord and that takes us back to verse 35 Right? Get ready and stay ready. Because, see, readiness for the return of Christ shows itself with service in the name of Christ. When we serve in the name of Christ, we show that we're ready for the return of Christ. And our weekend of service is one such expression of readiness. As a church community, we are declaring through this weekend of service that we are ready and prepared. We are fire, fire ready for whenever jesus comes to take over and recreate this heavens and earth to the new heavens and the new earth and and jesus loves this community he wants to serve this listen to me jesus christ does not need us to do weekend of service okay he doesn't champaign county does And so Jesus wants to serve Champaign County through his body, and we are his body. Jesus wants to possess your body to meet someone else's need in love. And whenever you serve in Christ's name, you show radical readiness. This is not new. You know this. We've done this. Was this not what our missions Sunday was about last week? And, And was this not what our family resource day was about when hundreds and hundreds of backpacks were given in the name of Christ to meet needs with love and when we interact with our sister congregation at restoration urban ministries i mean is this is this nothing new and when we pray with our spouses, do we not show readiness for the kingdom of Christ to come over when we when we take responsibility to pastor and shepherd our children our children and our our family is that not a recognition of Readiness for the coming of Christ or when we involve ourselves in small group community or pray or Bible reading or mentoring or tutoring in our community? See? Uh, the, such readiness reveals a, a particular mindset about the stuff of life, which is why Jesus in Luke twelve twenty-two prior to this parable would calm us saying, I don't want you to worry about food or drink or clothing. I'm taking care of you. This is why Jesus would assure us in Luke chapter 12, verse 7 the very hairs of your head are numbered. I know where you are. I have not forgotten you. This is why Jesus would challenge us in Luke chapter 12, verse 8 that if you want me to confess you before my Father there and then in the new heavens and the new earth, I expect you to confess me here and now. We're not going to be closet Christians. And this is why Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, verse 20, you see how it all ties in with this parable in chapter 12? This is why Jesus would warn us how foolish it is to hoard stuff when in any moment we might step into eternity. Jesus wants us radically ready for radical service until we hear him knock on the door. And being radically ready, it affects how we think and then it leads to action. Look at chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus tells this parable, and then Peter speaks up, and he says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all of us? And Jesus answers the question. He tells this parable. Peter asks the question, is this parable for us or all of us? And Jesus answers the question by telling another parable. (laughs) And... The answer is, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And I just wonder if Peter was thinking of this conversation with Christ when he wrote 1 Peter 1.13. I wonder if Peter was thinking about what Jesus said in Luke 12.35 when he wrote in 1 Peter 1.13, Gird the loins of your mind for action. See? Get ready for action. What kind of action? 1 Peter 1.22 tells us. The action of love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's why we're doing weekend of service. And we're not doing it in our power. We're doing it in the power that God provides, as Peter says in 1 Peter 4.11. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Church family, you know, there's a kind of service that glorifies us and then there's a kind of service that glorifies God. There's a kind of service that makes Jesus look threatening and then there's a kind of service that makes Jesus look thrilling there is a kind of service that makes Jesus appear to be an intimidating authority and then there's a kind of service that makes Jesus out to be a priceless treasure. And what Jesus wants is for us to serve in such a way by his strength that he is glorified and this world this world says who is this thrilling extraordinary priceless god you worship that's what now that's radical that's radical radical claim radical act a radical response okay hmm. well i have some homework for you Here it is. Take out a pencil and a piece of paper. Actually, the homework is already on your outlines. Homework assignment number one. Uh, Read David Platt's book, Radical. The good news is that it's a great book. The bad news is is everybody in first service took them. (laughs) Okay? Okay? So you can either go online and order a copy yourself or you can come next week. We'll have more books for you. We'll figure that out this week in staff meeting. And as usual, if you get it here, it's either, it's 10 bucks or free, 10 bucks or free. But that's your first assignment. Number two, go to the Windsor Road website, WindsorRoad.org. Click on Weekend of Service. And I want you to take a look at the different sites where we will be going, and I want you to pray about where you will be going. Okay, read the different sites and see if, uh, you know, your, the skill set that God has given you can meet the needs. We will sign up next, sun, uh, next Sunday, the 28th, okay? We'll sign up next Sunday, the 28th. Homework assignment number three, check your email, all right? Check your email. Uh, Starting tomorrow, for the next five weeks, Monday through Friday, I'll be sending you a devotional uh, just preparing us for this weekend of service. So don't relegate me to your junk file. Okay, I haven't seen you in five weeks. I've got a lot to make up for. I've got a lot on my mind. All right, so I've got devotions every day planned for us for the next five weeks, and they're going to get us ready here, and we're going to be, we're going to be living uh, this parable here in uh, this week's devotional series. They'll piggyback what we've been talking about here on Sunday. And then the last assignment is, Uh, The Poverty Experience. There's more information about that in your bulletin. I want you to read that. But I I would be wonderful. This will be a great uh, way to prepare, a little bit of training to prepare us just for the, the kinds of uh, families and individuals that we will be helping here. The poverty experience is a kind of a simulation where for two hours you get to experience what it's like uh, to live in poverty in our community. And the deal is we're limited to 70 people. And so, um, and we don't have childcare uh, uh, available for this experience. But um, we're limited to 70. I need you to sign up. If you sign up, we really need you to come, uh, just out of courtesy uh, to those who otherwise wouldn't come. But uh, you will not forget this. I've had a chance to experience this myself, and it is a great uh, preparatory experience for our weekend of service. And you can sign up with your card um, and then just turn um, uh, turn it into the, well, just put it in the offering plate. And uh, you, you can also sign up online. Okay? So that's our assignment. That's our homework assignment. Radical claim, radical act, radical response. Are you ready? Good. 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 Because Jesus was ready. He was ready when he came here. And we are reminded of his readiness not to be served, but to serve every Sunday we share in communion. And just, just listen to this as we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper, which will be for all believers, not just members of Windsor Road. Just receive these elements as they're passed. When I, when I read this parable, church family, it, this this not only... This not only makes me excited about his second coming, but it makes me think about his first coming. Because did Jesus not leave a heavenly feast when he was born in an earthly manger? And was he not prepared? And did he not say, according to the Hebrew writer, behold, I have come to do your will. And yet when he knocked, the servants opened And they did not greet him. The Bible says that that he came into his own and his own received him, not. Instead, they nailed him to a cross, didn't they? But by the strength that God supplies, Jesus was raised from death, confirming that he is the son of man and his dominion is forever. And when we share in that heavenly feast, he's going to bring the food his very self.